everybody. Welcome to the UGA Sports Live podcast. My name is Roddy DeBolsey. I'm joined by Dane Young and Jim Donnan, the former Georgia head coach, and the reason everybody's tuning in. So everyone's here to uh, get coaches' take on the uh, upcoming games, the playoff game. Georgia's in the playoffs. Get a recap of the Alabama game, what went right, what went wrong, more went wrong in that game, and uh, Coach has the X's and O's acumen to explain to us uh, what, what, what went down. So we're, we're uh, very excited to get his take. But before we do that, we want to give a quick uh, nod and of thanks to all of our sponsors. We have uh, uh, Your Pie, a fantastic re- uh, uh, series of restaurants that you need to try out. Of course, Athens Ford, who sponsors not only this show, but our uh, website and our watch-along show. Our friends over at Dead Soxy, who have a great deal going on, either 20 30 or 40% off of their socks. Now that we're in the holiday uh, gift-buying period, you need to check them out. And of course, uh, I'm here at Classic City Eats. I'm in the golf simulator room. You need to check them out when you get a chance. And of course, uh, our friends over at the Academia Brewing Company, uh, also a good place to watch the games and maybe get some beer for the uh, beer lover in your life. You try to get somebody some gifts, so that's a good place. But uh, as you can see, the uh, golf simulator's on behind me. There's a big party out in the front part of the restaurant. So if you need to uh, reserve uh, Classic City Eats for your uh, holiday parties, reach out to Josh and Amy. They'll take care of it. And then you can bring folks back here and uh, have a few drinks and hit golf balls. If you feel like you're actually playing around. It's You hit real balls with real clubs, and it shows you every little uh, iota of how your swing went, what the club head speed was, what the ball speed was, where the ball went. It's really fun to do. I'm terrible at it, but for those of you that enjoy golf uh, or are good at golf or even not good, or just want to have a good time, so we get here to Classic City Eats and give this a shot when you get a chance. All right, Coach, a very disappointing weekend. Uh, a lot of uh, people, a lot of pundits going into that game thought Georgia would have an uh, easy time of it. Now you've always said, no, games are hard to win. And uh, Georgia faced an Alabama team with his back against the wall. They had to win to get into the playoffs, and they played like it. They had a uh, stellar performance from Bryce Young, uh, great through the air. And the Georgia fans are very, very disheartened. But so I kind of, but they're, hey, we're still in the playoffs. But I do want to get your uh, take on the game and kind of get your overall thoughts and uh, just uh, what, what's going on in that uh, X's and O's mind of yours right now. Well, the first thing you always have to do is congratulate your opponent on uh, being ready to go uh, with a good plan. Uh, everybody says, well, you know, hey, they were really fired up and all. But the first quarter, we we were very much in control of the game. So I don't think the emotional part was there at all because we uh, had a ten to nothing lead. But uh, you know, you know. The, uh, but I do congratulate Nick and staff. They really did a good job of attacking our defense, uh, playing soft on defense themselves, and making us uh, stop ourselves some. And uh, and. You know, using the same defense we used against uh, Clemson on the interception where Chris Smith uh, baited the guy and got the Oski for a touchdown. They did the same thing with Battle, uh, you know, making our guy think that we had the hot guy coming in open because they were doubling Bowers. But getting back to X and O part, uh, you know, when you went, you're playing a big game, your strengths have to be your strengths. And – for us, defensively, we just didn't get any pass rush. Uh, obviously, I can say that, and everybody knows that, but uh, just inexplicable, really, that we couldn't get any more pressure on him than we did. Uh, we started to come with some five- and six-man pressures there in the second uh, half of the game, and, you know, the game was ostensibly over then, but 
just the fact that we weren't able to pressure them at all, either with our outside guys coming on twist or our linebackers running through. They did a good job of their backers stepping up on our backers and their backs blocking them. And uh, But looking at our thought, the way it looked to me like we're playing, and I haven't talked to Coach Smart or anybody of our – it looked like we were just uh, hell-bent on election – doubling one and eight and uh, let other guys try to beat us. And we did a pretty good job sometime, but then we let uh, eight go uh, a couple of times right at the end of the first half. And we let one go about as bad as you could ever let him go on that 70 yarder. And then uh, we played double coverage on one at the end of the first half, uh, start of the second half. And, you know, they get a touchdown pass. So, uh, but your strengths have got to be your strengths and we'll get into the quarterback situation in a little bit, but basically our team was in a good position at 17, 17 with less than three minutes to go in the first half. We had done some pretty good things on offense and defense and made some marches, but our offense didn't even touch the ball except for kneel down and the scores 31, 17. Uh, We're not set up regardless who's playing, uh, you know, to be a come-from-behind team at this point. And that, that really kind of sealed the deal there. Their touchdown at the end of the half where we didn't cover Messi and the one where they hit the big bomb. So, But some concerning things for me, and I know Kirby will go over it, is the last three games we've played against passing teams, they're 80 out of 119. Uh, that's 68%. And, you know, you've got to intercept some of those passes. We've intercepted two. One of them against Alabama last year, the first play of the game, a tip pass, and then Stokes for a touchdown against Florida. But other than that, we play these match coverage and things like that and not a lot of zone uh, against these teams. And they there's not a lot of breaking on the ball. I mean, we're playing so much man coverage that uh, it just doesn't. But Kirby – feels like that's the best thing to do, and I believe it. That's what he feels like. But we've got to do a better job of either rushing the passer or disrupting the receivers or doing something against these teams that throw the ball effectively or, you know, it's going to be very difficult. And you can say, hey, well, we got to be built better to come, you know, get in a shootout. You know, I don't know that uh, the, what the, the answer to that is, but – I do know that that one point we got to do better stopping the other team. I mean, there's no question that when you uh, when that's your strength and everybody knows they're talking about the, our defense being a strength and we don't do any better than we did in that game, it makes it hard to win. And then offensively, uh, we've only had one series this year where we're – I mean, one game this year where we were 14 or nothing – I mean, 14 points or closer in the second half going into this game. Now we're in this game, we're 14 points down, and we got six possessions. And two of those, we marched the ball down there pretty good, got nothing. Two of them, we got interceptions. And, you know, one of them, we got a a touchdown, and one of them, we punted. So that's not enough. But we did threaten them. Uh, and ha- we were close enough, but uh, not committed to the running game when we're coming from behind, which that's our best shot. You know, w- when we're throwing every down, we're not that great. So we needed to commit a little more to the running game. But, again, six possessions, two two turnovers, 
One of them was really uh, Brock Bowers. Could you could say, hey, he stopped, but I could see why he stopped. But if he kept running, he would have at least knocked the guy down. That guy wouldn't have intercepted it. But second and nine in the red zone, and then you know you can say, hey, well, why didn't we kick a field goal? I mean, that's not my call either. But uh, you know, get your morale up if you get some points. But so that's kind of dissecting it to me. One, we didn't do our strength. Rushing a passer wasn't good. We didn't cut. We made way too many coverage busts. You've heard Kirby say that. And then offensively, uh, started out good, 10 out of 12, Bennett. And then after that, you know, they just dared us to run the ball, and we didn't. They played loose zone on us and kind of like uh, not the same front that uh, Arkansas did, but uh, we, we didn't run much on them. And uh, but I can see why we're trying to come up from behind 14. So kind of rambling back and forth. I'll get some yeah. questions here, but I, I think make some good points there about uh, we got to do better. I mean, uh, we got to do Across better the rushing yeah. the passer. I mean, we, we, you know, you've got to affect this guy and give him credit. He made every play that was there uh, all night uh, at the end, though. When we pressured him, and I think Dane came up with this deal, I think they were one out of 11 there after, you know, on passes where we really came after him, five or six guys. And the rest of the time, it was just like throwing darts. I mean, he was tremendous. He won the Heisman Trophy with that game. I mean, his whole body of work was great. But, you know, you look at the games that he played against Tennessee, against Arkansas, 580 yards passing, against Georgia, 420 yards passing. I mean, and against us without his best receiver in the second half, Messi's a control guy. Uh, Jameis Williamson's a speed guy. But uh, I don't know what they did with their offensive line or what they told them, but they look like a different line against us than they did against A&M and, Ar- and uh, Auburn. They absolutely did. Dane, give me your thoughts. You know, a lot of the chatter right now, people want to talk about quarterbacks, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Not that Georgia's playing quarterback at a well enough level to, to be able to always, you know, win these games or be in competition in the play. I, I'm not claiming that, but what I'm saying is, and I'll add one more game to what Coach Donnan was saying. So Alabama this year, Florida and Alabama last year, and LSU 2019 SEC championship game. Georgia's defense in those four games, Georgia's last four losses, has given up a combined 538 yards. 415 of that is passing yards, so combination of pass rush and combination of secondary play. You don't win many football games like that. And when you do, it's because of the quarterbacks like those teams had. Bryce Young's going to be a Heisman winner. Joe Burrow was a Heisman winner. Mac Jones is the best rookie quarterback in the NFL. Kyle Trask turned into a second-round pick. So what I'm saying is if you want to talk about the quarterback situation deal, it's the fact that if you look at Georgia's roster, you don't have that. You don't have those guys. Like we can parse about it if you want to. There's not one of those guys on there. You don't see one of Georgia's quarterbacks getting in the Heisman race, despite what all the preseason hoopla said, uh, and it wouldn't have happened either way. So then how do you play to your strengths on this team? Like Coach was saying, play to your strengths on defense, play to your strengths with the running game. You have to really strategize to win in these kind of games. Otherwise – uh, you know, a Bryce Young-style performance puts you down 14 points. And, and, like, we really need to harp on this. If Nolan Smith is able to corral that fumble and land on that ball, at minimum, it's a tie game at halftime. And because that didn't happen, 
the next time the offense got a meaningful snap, they were down 14 points. And, Coach, you, you've called plays and way more than I ever have. You call differently when you're down 14 as compared to when, you know, a tie game, right? Yeah, and the thing about calling them in that, what made us think that that we we were going to get uh, Alabama to miss their turn, you know what I mean? So it wasn't like our defense was going to stifle them and we could be a little bit patient. So I can see where we're trying to catch up and things like that. But, but I'll just go on and address this quarterback situation and, and uh, make sure that everybody knows that, I'm trying to be as objective as, as they are. I've always felt like, regardless of where I was in any kind of organization, that I always respected the authority that I was under or the authority that that was, uh, you know, in charge. And as long as that person's in charge, he can make the decisions that he feels like is going to be the ones that are, are best. I've had to make them being in, in decisions uh, as the head coach were picking a quarterback and several guys left one time and picked a freshman quarterback over a player of the year coming back in the Big 12 one year. It was a big eight. But I think in this case, we can uh, – Roddy makes his money having a dog vent and people can go all they want. But you got Kirby Smart here. You got Monk in here. You've got uh, guys that that their livelihood depends on making the decision that gives them the best chance to be successful. And surely anybody saying that we're overly loyal to, to Bennett because he's a try-hard guy and all that, that's complete. I mean, we're loyal to every player, but we're going to play the best guy in every position that gives us the best chance to win. They're not worried about any legacy. They're not worried. I'm talking about the coach's legacy. I mean, Kirby Smart's legacy is going to be unbelievable. You look at over the next – it's not win this year or else. Hopefully it is, but you can't just say, if we don't win it this year, look at the players we got coming in. Our secondary is going to be so much better next year just by the recruits we got. I mean, we got – bombarded on the secondary this year with guys leaving and we had to make up for it and fortunately we didn't have to play anybody that was good enough to hurt us with it all year i mean that's just the way it is i told you that all year long i mean so but please uh you can keep on saying we got we can't win the national championship with this guy or that guy we can't win the national championship if we don't if we play defense like this we can't yeah. We can't. So what are we going to do? Are uh, we going to make wholesale changes on our defensive backfield? We don't have anybody to put in there. Uh, he's playing the best guy. He made a change. He played a uh, Brini got attacked by Tennessee. He got attacked by uh, uh, Auburn and he moved Smith in there and he played well, but then Smith hurts his knee and it's hard enough to play safety, much less star. So they didn't give him any reps that started this week and played him at safety. And they brought Poole in, who's a really good cover guy. And, you know, he made some good plays, but he made some mistakes too. I mean, that's the first time he's really played all year. So uh, it was just a kind of a pennies from heaven for Alabama on our secondary that we didn't have our best guys to play in the game. Kind of like, your mic, coach. Kind of like Florida last year. Uh we lost LeCount before he went to the game, seeing he gets kicked out, and another safety gets hurt during the game. I mean, then there was nothing there in their back end. So, But um, 
I'm not going to dwell on it except to say uh, I'm so a homer. It's not a stubbornness issue. I'm homer. I'm a homer. I back Kirby. I know that they're playing who they think in every position gives them the best chance to win with the other guys that are on the field. And that's the way you base your team. You look at 11 men and you look at the pass rush to help the secondary. You look at the pass protection to help the quarterback. You look at the running game to help the receivers. You look at all that. You look at the kicking game. And realistically, that didn't look like the Georgia team that we've seen all year, no question. I mean, whether we were uh, thought we, it was going to be easier, particularly after he started 10 to nothing, I mean, I felt pretty good 10 nothing. Uh, and then that human bolt ran past us. And then from that point, it kind of got one of those deals where we looked like we were kind of on eggshells out there. We were worried about making mistakes and we made them. We weren't very aggressive. And But if you don't get the other team to turn the ball over, and they're not getting penalties. They got some pass interference penalties, but inexplicably no holding penalties. I mean, the way they were holding us, unreal. So you got to get some help there. I'm with the coach. Uh, I've been accused this week of being pro Stetson or something like that. I don't. I don't care. I mean, I'm, as a journalist, I'm, I'm just here to write the stories. I don't think that the uh, Stetson Bennett's story is any better than the JT Daniels story. I don't need the former walk-on who leads Georgia to a national championship more than I need the uh, California kid who flies across the country to win it. It's a, it's a good story either way, and I'm happy to write it. And I'm not even going to be the one to write it. I'm just going to sit here on the YouTube and uh, make snarky comments. That's that's what I do. I have other guys that write those stories. and I'm not, It doesn't matter. Uh, mm-hmm. I want Georgia to win this thing because it's. I, I did go to school there. I try to be un, you know unbiased and objective, but I, I I will definitely say I want them to win it. And I people keep trying to convince me that Georgia's making a mistake with the uh, quarterback issue. You don't. I don't. You don't need to convince me. Convince Kirby. You know. Convince somebody else. I I, I don't have a. Right. Uh, I don't have a. I, I don't have any say in who does it. Let me, just ask, it. let me ask. Let me ask you this, Roddy and Dang. Let me just ask you this and. And, you know, I'm talking a lot. You guys have, have had this uh, platform where y'all have been on. Every time I cut on YouTube, you guys are on there talking about <laughs> I mean, what do y'all do? Just figure out uh, how many times you can be on there every day. But that's good. It's only good 24 opinion. hours in the day, Coach. I it's need good. More. It's good. Y'all are on. Y'all tell, I mean, uh, hey, they're going to have uh, – tell me about it as the world turns tomorrow. i like to see what's going to happen. But – in all seriousness, uh, uh, I can't even relate to this. I've got to get back to my thoughts here. If you're going into this game on Saturday morning and you're going to get some breakfast at Chick-fil-A and there's some guys over there talking, analyzing the game, and you ask them, you think Georgia will call 55 passes today? No. We, we call 55 because we ran – Passed at 49, we ran uh, three or four times on, on scrambles and got sacked twice. So we call 55 passes. Okay, every one of them would say, hell no, we're not going to do that. We, we don't even run 55 plays in the game. I mean, this year, very seldom. And then you'd say, Georgia's not going to get any sacks today. What are you, what's wrong with you? You know, Georgia's – one of the best pass rushing teams out there, uh, Alabama's terrible on pass protection. They gave up seven to A&M. They gave up seven to Auburn. Uh, 
you know, Tennessee really confused them. LSU, probably as much as anybody who was terrible, gave up 49 points to Florida, really, really got after them. So, but now today, Tuesday, December the 7th, a day that will live in infamy talking about Georgia football, like uh, Roosevelt did about Pearl Harper. All those things happen. We didn't do either one of them very good. You know, I mean, we, we completed – and here's the way I analyze a quarterback. You got a chance to success, succeed or fail on every play. If you throw 49 passes in a game against a major college football team, more than likely a couple of them are going to be intercepted. What in the hell is wrong with you, Tom, Tom Brady, against the Falcons on the three-yard line throwing a pick for a touchdown? You're the best player to ever played. How can you throw a pick to a defensive lineman? Hey, he did it, didn't he? He saw the read and he didn't read it right. You can't. Re- you. I'm telling you, these are fast human beings out there. They're going to make plays. They're going to disguise. They're going to do things for you. To say, you know, Stetson underthrows and does it. Hey, so so does everybody. He does underthrow some. He does throw some great passes too. He does throw under duress. He does move around. All that you can nitpick every little thing. But I can tell you, like I've told you about fifty times, how many times I've coached quarterbacks, all the guys I've had play, the acumen, everything that he has a very good arm. He anticipates. He's going to a lot of receivers. Keep your hands off. We, we play a lot of guys out there. And but when he's throwing the Bowers more times than not, it's pretty much on the money. But all of a sudden, we had a receiver do the same thing he did against Georgia Tech, the same mistake playing for the SEC championship a week later. AD Mitchell's running an in route and doesn't turn his hand around quick enough. The same thing, and so it's an incomplete and it's first down for uh, uh, we're punting. You can't make those mistakes twice. So uh, we've got a lot of people sharing in the blame offensively for sure. So, uh, and it's not Stetson, it's not anybody else, but. Uh, that was kind of my point, Coach, was, was the whole, uh, when I was talking about the, the storyline there, you know, the, people say Kirby's stubborn or you guys are defending this guy or that guy. I'm like, I don't defend. When I, I'm doing what you do so well in the show, when, uh, Dane points up, you know, here's a quarterback comparison. He's not trying to make the case. He's like, here are some numbers that you can look at. Here are some comparisons from a statistical standpoint, from an opponent standpoint. Um, when I point out stuff about the Georgia's defense in these games, it's like uh, I'm not trying to put the blame on the defense. I'm just saying, look, it's not in a vacuum. I want the same critical lie that's turned on Stetson to be turned on George's pass protection. I want it to be turned on A.D. Mitchell or whoever drops a right. pass. You know, right. I want it turned on a defense that got zero pressures. I want it turned on a secondary that got absolutely blasted. When you saw Bryce Young look over and see uh, Mitchie in the slot with Dan Jackson on top of him, you called it before it happened. It's like, and every, a lot of people in the stadium called it. And sure enough, there's uh, Dan Jackson. God love him. The kid has done wonders for you. He's running in pursuit trying to catch him. When you give up a 55-yard touchdown in the third quarter 
and the wide receivers double covered by maybe Keely Ringo, maybe your best cornerback, and definitely you know one of your top two, and Lewis Seen, your top safety. You got double coverage on them, and they scores a fifty-five yard touchdown between them. That's not a quarterback's fault. That's not a, a center's fault. That's not somebody else's fault. In other words, when you said this team didn't look like Georgia, I think you nailed it. I think it's a little lazy to point to one guy and say, this will change. Now, I want to play devil's advocate and throw this at you, Coach, this concept. People say, yes, in Georgia's last four or five big losses, the defense has been non-existent. I should say, you know, they've given up 40-plus points, uh, hundreds and 500 yards a game in each of these big losses. And um, I say, well, see, there you go. But someone made this uh, argument, and I thought, okay, this is something to consider. They said, well, if you know that's going to happen again, maybe you need a quarterback who can win it in a shootout against that situation. You know, maybe sometimes, I don't know, it's almost accepted that the defense isn't going to be able to stop a high-powered offense. So you know what Stetson gives you. You know what the offenses give you. Why not try something different? So I want to pose that question to you. If you know that, you know, this is as far as you can get with the offense that you have, uh, why not try something new? So give me your thoughts as a coach, you know, in game 14 and 15, with uh, three weeks to prepare, 15 practices, how hard would it be to change something up? And is your line going to all of a sudden block better? Uh, Maybe you get some healthy, you know, George Pickens is coming back. Uh, Jermaine Burton's healthy. Uh, In other words. All going to be based on. I mean, all those are hypotheticals. It's yeah. all going to be based on what gives you the best chance to win. Uh, and you look at your total team there. Yeah. And exactly. what I used what I used to talk to our team about on on Sunday was you'd tell your defense, look, you know, we're going to have a hard time scoring against these guys. We're going to have to really hold them down. And we, you know, we can't afford mental errors. We're going to have to do all this. We're not going to score a lot of points. Or you tell your offense, look, our defense isn't going to be able to shut these guys down. We're going to have to go for it today. We're going to have to really score some points. And uh, so you, you settle your game plan like it. So I think we had two things happen here. Our defense didn't play near – and you kind of got lulled to sleep with Auburn. They didn't score a touchdown until 30 seconds to go in the game against Auburn. That same team we watched looked like an offensive juggernaut. Did not score a point. We scored 37 – what, we scored 35 and didn't even play anybody in the fourth quarter against them. And what was our score, 30-something? So, you know, it looks like we were going to be able to do it against Alabama too, you know. So we didn't do it either way. And uh, so as far as what you plan for the future, hey, you always look at what's going to give you the best chance to win. The first thing you got to do is win the first game. And you're going against an old school, traditional slug them out type offensive line that might win the Joe Moore award. Doesn't throw the ball that much. So our defense should be okay. You know, uh, their defense rushes the passer. They got the guy up for the Heisman Trophy that, uh, and the guy on the other side uh, is up for a first round draft choice. So they're going to have two boy dog defensive ends coming in rushing the passer. So, is that the answer for us to try to do that against them? So you look at your opponent, and, uh, you know, I'm all for everybody having uh, – that's why the guys – the coach, you can second-guess them, but uh, I'm sure they'll look at all that very objectively, and whatever they decide, 
will be what they think gives them the best chance. And I'm for whoever that is, whether it's making a move with an offensive lineman, quarterback, defensive back, whatever it might be. So that's the way I think they look at it. I don't believe that Kirby gives a rat's ass poison ass thing about what everybody <laughs> thinks. Uh, you know, I really don't. I drinking. So uh, even though Nick said it was yummy rat poison that, that, that we got, but you know, gave him a, uh, and I'm not, I don't have my butt on my shoulders trying to defend Kirby. I'm no. just saying any, like I've always yeah, said, hypothetical. Yeah. Like, like I started when I started doing these podcasts, I've always said that whoever it, you have, Tom Crean, the basketball coach, Manny Diaz, the tennis coach, Jack Byerly, the swimming coach, Joni Tay, whoever it might be, you support that Georgia coach until they're not coaching anymore. And that's all you can do. That's your team. Uh, they're going to do what they give them. I mean, I'm sure they wanted to beat Tech on Sunday when they lost by one point. But they've done a heck of a job with that basketball team, uh, the women's basketball team, but they lost to Tech. So, hey, that happens. But uh, Well, yeah, well, when, they, I, when they retire or uh, stop coaching, then we make fun of them. We come to their house and eat all their food. Uh, yeah, that's, that's yeah well, I mean, they do that. But <laughs> I, I just know that uh, – I get accused of being a homer, but I, I think the opening today, my Johnny Carson opening was pretty succinct because I spent some time on it. I did some data there and I gave you some things that concern me. I mean, they, those are things that we got to, they didn't look like they normally do. By, but you know, if you're Kirby and, and I say that to him, he said, okay, who you want me to put in there, coach? I'm talking about defensive backs or, you know, we're yeah. talking about the problem with the defense. And I'm going to defend him. I mean, all those guys went pro, and some of them went lower than they thought they would, but they all left him. And then two defensive backs went in the portal. So we're struggling. So, hey, what do we do? We get two transfers. One of them's really playing good for us. The other one tore his ACL. I mean, that's that's luck of the draw there. I mean, and we just – and you got to play with the guys you got, and that's what we're playing. But going into the season – projecting regardless if it's what what site you're on nobody projected that William Poole would be a big player in the SEC championship game uh, yeah they did I, if they did it I missed it I, I know we want to do questions for most of the second half of the show I want to make two quick points uh kind of each of you kind of mentioned this coach started out by saying you have to congratulate the other team that's not being done enough here because Bryce Young had a legendary Heisman performance. And when those happen and your team's on the wrong end of it, there's not a whole lot you can do a lot of times. We saw that with Joe Burrow for half a season. Uh, we saw Baker Mayfield have that sometimes. When like when that happens, you almost just have to congratulate. Can, can you scheme things? Can you make them look worse? If Georgia plays Alabama again, can it be different? Sure. Maybe Bryce Young doesn't play quite as well, but for that but particular game. Quarter, but the first quarter, Stetson outplayed him. Wasn't even any contest, was it? Yeah, well, I mean, Georgia got up 10 nothing. Numbers, but that, that's, you know. Yeah. I mean, he outplayed him. Right. My it was other really, point. It was really the second quarter game was what it was. <laughs> 
My other and, and but even at the end of the second quarter, fifty six seconds left, it's a seventeen to seventeen game. That's what we're saying. Right. Like it flips so quickly because of some defensive lapses. But Roddy, the point that you made about a lot of fans are saying, well, you got to be able to compete in shootouts once you get to this point in the season. And I believe that to be true. And I think back to Georgia's Rose Bowl win in seventeen. How many passing yards do you think Georgia had against Oklahoma in a game that went to two overtimes? I don't remember. Less than 250, wasn't it? 210. Yeah. Georgia ran for 317 yards that day, put up 54 points. Georgia's defense gave up 531 yards. So to think that you have to throw for 600 yards each time, that's not always the answer. Right. And Lincoln Riley went in the fetal position in the second half and helped us too. I mean – no question. He, he sat on that. that. He sat on it in a big, like a big dog. Yeah, he'll have fun out there. Now that's that's a good point. Uh, I, I I go back to to when people say, "Hey, you know, you know, th- if this isn't working, change something." And I think that there a lot will be reevaluated for the rematch. But first, you got to get through Michigan. So we'll talk about them here in a second. Uh, I do want to mention some of our sponsors who uh, have, you know are with us. Uh, every week, and they are a big part of our show. I want to mention our friends over at uh, uh, Athens Ford. They are uh, our biggest sponsor by far. And I want folks to know that if you go out there now and you buy a new vehicle or a pre-owned vehicle, or you buy anything out there, they are going to give away a bicycle to the Salvation Army of Athens, Georgia, for a kid in the community. So when they get up on Christmas morning, they have a brand new bicycle. So, and these are not, these are nice bikes. They're fantastic. I mean, if you look at them, they're really sharp and they've got uh, maybe 60, 70, hundred of them out there. They're all lined up in front of this big Georgia Christmas tree, Georgia bulldog themed tree, which was really cool looking. And they've got them out there. And then when you buy a vehicle, they go put your name on it. So that kid knows that, Hey, this person uh, got me this bike. So it's a really, really neat idea. They do this every other year. They do charity all year round. Uh, this year is the bicycle charity. They do uh, other stuff in other years. So uh, just want to give a big shout out to them for doing that. And also, if you or I went by the uh, drove by on Millage, the uh, Georgia Botanical Gardens, the place is uh, really is lit up for Christmas. They have all the, the light show out there that's being sponsored by Athens Ford. So they do a lot for this community. And so if you need a new or pre-owned vehicle, if you want a lifetime powertrain warranty on it, which is something that you get at Athens Ford, hit them up. Also want to mention our friends over at Dead Soxie. They uh, did a huge, huge uh, buy one, get one free offer recently. They had the uh, uh, Cyber Monday deals and the Black Friday deals, uh, just all sorts of uh, fantastic deals out there. Uh, and if you actually go sign up with uh, them at deadsoxy.com, you can get a free pair uh, on your next order. You become a uh, VIP insider over there and you get a free pair of socks. But right now they're doing a deal where if you get 20% off any order that you have with Dead Soxy, 30% off any order of $120 or more, and 40% off any order of $240. So they have great new Georgia socks. You need to try them out. Somebody wasn't wearing their lucky socks on Saturday in Georgia, got their teeth kicked in, and you forgot your socks. It's your fault, and we're all blaming you. So be sure to swing by Dead Soxy and get the, get the socks, wear them on. <laughs> Wear them throughout the year, but definitely you want to wear them for the Michigan game coming up on December 31st. You need to have your lucky dead socks uh, on. They're super comfortable. They stay up. They don't fall down. They won't drive you crazy. And especially when it's cold and you you want something warm on your feet, uh, dead socks will take care of you. And they're comfortable in summer. They're not too hot. So try out our friends at Dead Socks when you get a chance. 
I, Dan, you want to run through it. We got a lot of questions and I want you to, uh, we'll, we'll try to go fast. Yeah, let's try to go fast on questions. And look, well, I'm going to read these questions as they're asked. I know the tone is going to be. Uh, yeah, let me not, answer them. I'm ready. I'm ready. It, it's not going to be a positive tone for a lot of people as people are trying it's to. Fine, it's fine. And loss. And so, I'll answer. I'll answer. Park, let's go for it. From Grant Park Dog, why is Georgia's running game so pedestrian? I don't know that it's pedestrian. I mean, there's, a, there's some good things to it, but it doesn't seem like that we ever get any real flow where we're looking to run the ball as much as we are to pass it. Uh, you, you know, in a game like this, we didn't run the ball consecutively a lot. It looked like we had some, some things there with an unbalanced line one time and with our 13 people in the game, three tight ends, they were so carried, carried away with covering the Bowers that their run support was not there. But, you know, I don't really know the game plan. I don't know what the thoughts are, but, we do run a lot of people in and out, receivers, tight ends, backs. We play a, a multitude of players, and that's probably to get the best player for each play. But uh, sometimes that hurts you getting any rhythm in a game. But uh, just like it's hard for me to concentrate when Roddy's showing me this food here right now on the thing here. But it, but, uh, but we I don't know that we're pedestrian, but we're not a really good running team when the other team knows we're going to run it at this point. This question about defense, how does Coach Donnan feel about the game plan used to try to contain Bryce Young rather than being aggressive and getting after him? And then would we see more man coverage in a rematch against Alabama? Okay, as far as the game plan, I think it was based on the fact that they thought we could get to him with our regular rush, and they were really concerned about one and eight, which I would be too, uh, Williamson and uh, and Mechie. Uh, so a lot of our coverage was based on double and uh, – you know, some kind of double or what we call match coverage where you, you read the routes and then everybody matches accordingly. That's been a staple of Kirby's uh, defense here forever. So, uh, but we did play more man than we played all year in this game, even though we weren't blitzing. Uh, we played the combination match routes on them, and that's why you saw some people so open. People got the wrong match there. So, uh, but I, I think – Sure, we, we will have to change some kind of philosophy or do a better job one on one against their their old line as far as pressure. We got to pressure the guy better. I mean, he he, he had plenty of time. From primetime dog, ask coach why Georgia can't win shootouts versus teams that give the defense trouble. Two things. First of all, they're shooting out a lot more than we are, and second. Uh, it seems like we're never ahead in these where the other team's having to come by. We don't get the big lead. And uh, you haven't seen us lose many close games. Most of our games have been ones that the other team jumps out at us. And we're just uh, – we, we don't have the, the firepower really uh, deep. We haven't made a lot of uh, explosive plays in these shootout games. You know, we, we did with uh, – the 170 yarder with Miko Hardman uh, against Alabama. But most of our plays have been, you know, more 15, 20 yard touchdowns. So uh, I, I would say better to be the one ahead in the shootout than the one behind at this point. From Poor Preacher, when did Stetson Bennett start outperforming JT Daniels in practice? Well, I mean, I think that's a rhetorical question. 
I mean, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he be playing uh, if if the guy was playing better in practice? I I would think that he would be playing. Uh, but you got to take into effect that he was hurt early, and they made the change. And now at this point, I don't think based on the way Kirby does things, you know, I would think that he would have, if he was playing better in practice or that he would be the guy. I don't know that. I don't go over there. So, but from my standpoint, that question, whoever the best guy is in practice is going to be the guy playing. Why wouldn't he be? From Mean Machine Red and Black, why did Georgia not follow the defensive model set by Texas A&M and Auburn uh, and others against Alabama? You kind of answered that already. We followed it a lot. I mean, we did a lot of things that, that both of them did. We just didn't get to the quarterback. I mean, that was the main thing. They got 14 sacks. We got none between the two, the three teams. Seven, 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 seven and zero. Did, let me ask a follow-up there, Coach. Did it feel like uh, those other teams sent uh, five and six? Maybe that's why they got sacks where Georgia kind of stuck with uh, four? Yeah, I, I think, again, without knowing the exact plan, if you just feel like going in that you need to match coverage these guys, which means you're going to double two players, so that's going to take four of your players out to double them, okay? You got yeah. seven others, and you got to play the running game too, so you got to be real careful about how many you're going to bring. So that's probably why we didn't bring more than four or five. Gotcha. From DGD 1994, for Coach, why does Georgia rotate so many guys at wide receiver? It seems like nobody can get in a groove with the formula. Uh, also, we have to start getting elite talent at wide receiver and quarterback and then use it. Well, I think he makes a good point. But part of it is the fact that we've had injuries, and now that the injured players are coming back, they still – they they have limited amount of plays that they're letting them play, and that why they're trying to get them in there, but they keeping the starters in there that had played when they were hurt. So that's probably why you're seeing a little bit more of a revolving door there. And uh, what was the last thing? Elite. I think we have some elite players. I think Pickens, Burton, uh, are elite receivers. Uh, Bowers. I mean, elite. I mean, nobody in the country got anybody like Bowers. I'd like to see us go to Washington more than once a week. Uh, I mean, uh, but, you know, that's nothing I hadn't told anybody else. But there's there's got to be a reason that, you know, you can't – the thing that happens with our team, you see 11 or 12 guys catching three or four passes and Bowers catches 10. With the other – with them, they got Williamson and Mechie catching 20, 18 between them. We, we just don't have guys that we go to as much at wide receiver as we do the tight end there. So hopefully Pickens, we saw against Baylor, against some of these teams when he's healthy, we really went to him a lot. So maybe he should be pretty good here in Orange Bowl. I missed this one from uh, Mean Machine Red and Black. Does Georgia have a quarterback recruiting evaluation and development problem? Why do so many five-star quarterbacks not see the field? Well, we certainly don't have a recruiting problem. Look at the ones we've got. We've signed more five-star guys than, than anybody. When you go back to Eason, Fields, I mean, Fromm was close to that. I mean, uh, JT Daniels. So as far as evaluating them, part of it's guys getting hurt. Eason got hurt. Uh, uh, JT got hurt. Uh, 
quarterback we brought in from Wake Forest decided to opt out. We don't have an evaluation problem. I mean, Todd Munkins coached in the pros. Uh, he knows how to – he coached Jameis Winston, Baker Mayfield, those guys. He knows how to evaluate quarterback. I mean, that, that's uh, – I'm insulted about that question. From I mean, hey, insult me. I'm 77 years old. Insult the hell out of me. But God Almighty, we got no evaluation problem. I can tell you that. And I don't have any evaluation problem. And I told you two weeks ago when I went on that diatribe that I'd watch these guys throw and there's no nothing wrong with his arm. Sometimes – he underthrows people when he doesn't get his feet set, sure. But sometimes he doesn't hit the guy in stride, sure. But, uh, you know, it's just the way it is sometimes. Everybody's not a perfect quarterback on every throw, but because things haven't worked out exactly right for him, he gets scrutinized more than anybody that I've ever seen, really. I mean, I really feel bad about how much scrutiny. And, of course, it's our team, and everybody needs to do that. But uh, – I can tell you this, I've coached a lot of quarterbacks everywhere, and Stetson Bennett could have played in every for every team I ever had. He could have played sometime, someplace for the, that team. Uh, whether he'd been the starter the whole time, I don't know, but he was he's good enough to start at Oklahoma, at Florida State, at North Carolina, at Kansas State, at Marshall, at Georgia. He could start at any of those places I coached. Uh, this one for you, Roddy, from Dog31768. Does Roddy stand behind his Travis Hunter prediction? Uh, hey, I was told by some good sources that he's going to wind up at Georgia, so I'm going to stick with it until he does it. I didn't say it's going to happen anytime soon. I think we'll get closer to signing day. Of course, kid can change his mind. That, that happens. That's, yeah. that's recruiting. I've had kids that uh, sent me, give me give, have given me the quotes as to why they picked Georgia and what the coaches said when they told them they were coming to Georgia and then later on put on a hat they were going somewhere else. So it, it happens, but no, nah, I mean, yeah, I just, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad you're sticking with it because, hey, if you feel like it, stay, stick with it. But the other thing that just, I mean, and these are people on my street ask me, what's going to happen to our recruiting now that we got beat? <laughs> Hey, these same kids are going to come. You name one kid, we'll lose over that game. At this point, one guy, we're going to lose. Now, the ones who are going to Bama are going to Bama. The ones who are going to Georgia are going to Georgia. That game has absolutely nothing to do. And, you know, if it's a receiver, hey, we threw, 50, we, we threw 49 passes. We passed for 350 yards. I mean, our coaches, I mean – our coaches are out there recruiting, and that, that game is immaterial as far as the guys for next year, as far as I'm concerned. I, I want to make up a point there because this happens after every loss. People say it's going to hurt recruiting, and I know you've done this, Coach, when you reach out to a kid right after a loss and say, look, if you'd been here, we could have used you. You could have helped us on this. Hey, right. uh, Shamar James, we need, we need a safety right now. We need a cornerback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see how that hey, you believe on? me now, man. You believe me <laughs> exactly. And then here's the other thing: for there's 126 teams that would love to be in the playoffs right now. They're going to get Georgia's going to be featured. This uh, all the build up to Georgia, Michigan. They're going to be out there all the time. Now a lot of this will happen after signing day. Signing day is on the 15th. But if anybody else is out there that you're trying to get, you know, in other words, the kids just saw a huge commercial. Georgia's in the playoffs. You know, again. So that this is a coach who's now gotten into the playoffs twice in six years. So you're thinking, hey, things are different. They just went 12-0. They were ranked number one for eight, nine weeks of the season. 
This is a team that's only up and uh, up and coming. Even if it's I mean, they they quarterbacks, if, if you're a five-star quarterback, you're like, well, hell, I'll go to Georgia and I will take over. I can beat out uh, Stetson Bennett. I can beat out uh, these other guys. If you're a big dog quarterback, then you want to go to Georgia and coach a team that wins games. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, my, that's know. my diatribe. I, I, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, here's a question. When Bama went to nickel for pretty much the whole game, why wasn't Georgia more effective at running the ball or using the explosive matchup nightmare tight ends against the smaller defensive backs? Hey, we didn't do it. We we should have. We should have run more probably. I mean, it's easy to say, and that's the one thing I hate about being on the show. I'm, I'm not second-guessing. I'm just saying you look at – I guess I am. You look at what happens – and when you're behind, it's harder to run the ball. But they they were in a bend and don't break situation there. I mean, and they were, you know, they were a lot more concerned about Bowers catching the ball than they were us running it. So our team was not concerned about – you heard Kirby. We, with Robinson being down, we worked almost exclusively on, you know, trying to stop their passing game. It didn't work that great, but they didn't – they made a few first downs running, but uh, – it was not uh, overwhelming right. running game. Run the ball, Bobo, and then in the rematch. From I've been good, will Bowers be the best tight end to ever play college football? <laughs> <laughs> he's on his way. What I don't know how you could have a much better year than he's had unless, uh, I mean, just his catch radius and his percentage of catches is just unreal. Uh, he, the player of the game was that safety in the end zone, he, you know, that knocked that ball out and we made that great catch. If he doesn't make that, I mean, wow, that that that's an unbelievable play by that kid. From 28 days, why pool over Brini? Well, that's a good question from 28 days. And uh, is, is that on a leap year? I'll answer it on the 29th. Uh, <laughs> the, the deal is Brini – more of a run support guy. He played the run extremely well, but like I mentioned in the two games that we played against teams that threw the ball, uh, Auburn attacked him, Tennessee attacked him. We had to make a move there with Christopher Smith against Tennessee, and he did a great job of slowing them down there in the second half. And uh, last week, Christopher was just coming off a knee injury, and he couldn't really double practice being a safety and a star and they, they looked at both Brini and Poole to see who would be the best guy. We were going to play more, you know, non-conventional zone. We were playing more match what we, where you need a more of a cover guy, and that's why he played over Brini. Hey, before you uh, continue there, Dane, uh, I'll say hi to Carson Paul Turner. I know that he's had a uh, uh, death in the family recently, and our thoughts are with him. Um, I do want to move on to uh, or mention – our friends over at Academia Brewing Company, when you get a chance to uh, watch some of the uh, Falcons games or any of the other uh, pro games that are on TV. And, of course, then when all the uh, uh, bowl games start, swing by Academia Brewing Company, go out there. for It's a great place to have a Christmas party. They have a huge room out there as well that you can actually rent out for your corporate events. Uh, but a great place to take the family, you know, uh, for the holidays. Uh, I would not try their beer garden right now. The outside patio, it's a bit chilly, but the inside they have the great lounge area and they have fantastic beers. They do a great uh, uh, job with their seasonal beers. Get one of the little flight uh, staves. It's a barrel stave with holes in it and they drop in four cups and then you try four different beers. 
Uh, it's fantastic. This weekend, if you want to go out there for their uh, beer and biscuit brunch, it is fantastic. If you go by their Facebook page and look at those biscuits, it's tough to find restaurants that do good biscuits. They do great biscuits. So hit up our friends at Academy Brewing Company. Uh, go by for Tuesday trivia, Thursday live music, um, uh, the beer and brisket brunch. And then, you know, if you just want a great meal, I mean, it's not just a, a brewing company where you go out there. Oh, well, we have some you know fried food and stuff like that. They have an actual fantastic restaurant out there. It would be a, it would be a raging success if they were not a brewery. It was just academia restaurant. You'd love it. So the fact that they have award winning beers, gravy. So try those out when you get a chance. And of course, if uh, you're not in the mood for, or you're not in Athens, you can't go back to Brewing Company or Classic City. Swing by uh, your, you know, swing by or call your uh, local uh, Europe uh, location. Get some of the fantastic pizzas. Get some of their uh, breadsticks. Hit up their uh, get their salads, their sandwiches, their gelato. Uh, they have the Alfredo truffle pasta that you can try out. That you can customize the stuff eight ways from Sunday. I mean, your crust you can pick like four different crusts. Then you get all the different sauces. Then as many toppings as you want. Uh, they put it in a super hot oven. It's tough to find a pizza place that makes crust the way you want it. Theirs is perfect. And I've had it all over the place. And if you were to do one of those one bite things or, you know, a a pizza review, you would put your pie at the very top because they're fantastic. So when you get a chance, uh, hit up your pie. If you definitely want it today, then use the app because if you use the your pie app, you get double points. And those points add up fast. I have a ton of uh, free pizzas, free breadsticks, free stuff like that in the uh, my app where I usually order on a Tuesday. And I, the, the points add up fast. It's not one of those things like a Subway card or something like that where you have to eat 50 sandwiches to get a, a six-inch something like that. These these points add up quickly. So they're very generous with their uh, giveaways. So hit up your pie when you get a chance. Coach, are you in a time crunch at all, or should we keep running these questions a little bit after normal? Hey, I mean, I'm, I use my old adage, I'm an old maid, man. I'm available. <laughs> All right. We may go uh, a little bit over then if uh, if we get on the, the roll here. Uh, this is from MEM UGA. Coach, Nothing would you agree? I'm that- an old maid either. I mean, hey, <laughs> any of you old maids out there want to come by and drop some casseroles off, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the question – Coach, would you agree with Aaron Murray that Georgia's wide receiver talent is a bigger hindrance than whichever quarterback plays? I don't know it's a hindrance, but, uh, you know, we just haven't been – been have we don't show a lot of uh, big play potential out there. I do think some of these younger guys are going to be really good. I think A.D. Mitchell's got a lot of upside. He really did some good things this year. Burton, stay healthy. It's going to be good, and then hopefully Pickens will be ready during the uh, the the deal there. But uh, McConkey too. Oh yeah, McConkey, quick, very quick. I'm going to combine these questions from Jcats and EB1. Uh, Jcats hey, uh, is hey, hey, before you do that, Dana, I want, I want to add on to that. That goes back to my point about the whole team concept. You know, it's not just one guy having those, not having elite receivers maybe the coaches were a little less hesitant to say, hey, let's go pro-style offense. And, you know, if you have – you saw what two great elite receivers do, did for Alabama. Georgia has one of those, and he's just now getting back healthy. So when you look at it in the context of everybody, I think what Aaron had to say makes some sense. I don't know if it's more or less, you know, but it does uh, – it, it has a, a great deal to do with the style of offense you play, depending if you have those great receivers. So I think uh, – and Aaron would know. But 
we still, to me, we play more of JT's offense with Stetson than we do Stetson's point. offense with JT. We drop back a whole lot more than than you know you'd think you would with Jay, with Stetson. You'd think we'd move him around and all, but that they feel comfortable with the deep drops on play action and some of the drops. So uh, the offense is not really that different that we're running uh, than what we did with JT early in the year. It's just he's just a little bit more adept at getting out. But we don't run a lot of neck and bootlegs or quarterback draws or sprint outs. We don't do those, even though that's, that's what he does better. Yeah. Combination question, which one player that has not played much this year so far will gain the playing time in December practices to shine against Michigan, the example being Aziz Ojalari against Texas. The combination of that, this is from EV1, can Kamari Lasseter or Javon Buller be uh, ready to start at that star position in the playoffs? I don't see them uh, jumping in there. I think they've improved. It really hurt us, you know, with uh, Green getting out, got a little problem off the field, and Kimber getting hurt. Both those corners were coming along. Uh, Speed got hurt, you know, before the Florida game uh, for backup. Uh, Bullard and uh, Lester, both good players. Uh, I don't know anybody that's going to just really jump to the front. Front, You know, uh, Olarji was, uh, and Roddy pointed out there in the, the bowl game, he just had really good practices. Somebody might surface there and uh, all of a sudden – Maybe a pass rusher on the edge, you know, beside Bill. Uh, who knows what it might be, but uh, maybe one of these tackles will continue to improve, uh, you know. And, and But I, I thought it was good the way Jamari came back and played it, did a good job. And for the most part, we really controlled Will Anderson. We did a good job against him. Yeah, he should have been in the Heisman race. I'll just say that. I, I didn't agree with the Heisman race. Yeah, he had a lot better stats in Hudson, but um, – uh, why let's this from right away? Why has offense been so pedestrian in recent big games? Three offensive touchdowns against Alabama, Kentucky, Florida, Arkansas this year, 50 combined points against Alabama and Florida last year. I'd love to hear Coach Donnan's take on that. Well, I man, it's the second time somebody's used pedestrian <laughs> on me. I thought that's somebody who just walks down the street, but uh, uh, we're definitely not that kind of offense. But you know, we did we scored. Uh, 24 points, same amount we did last year. But uh, we, we were in the red zone three times that we got nothing. Uh, yeah. One pick, uh, we threw the ball. Uh, we went for it one time, and then we got a field goal the other time. So, uh, But uh, I don't – I can't answer that. I really don't know uh, other than give the other team a little bit of credit, but – I don't think that this Alabama defense is, uh, is going to go down in history as one of the best teams in the SEC, but they they do a good job of getting off the field. They did a good job on us on third down the other night. That's another thing we didn't do very good on. Yeah, you left a lot of points on the field. That was uh, – and I know uh, some of the guys got grief for that afterwards saying uh, – uh, you know, we can't turn the ball over. Well, of course you can't. Yeah, and as coach speak and player speak, I get it. They, they've lost it. But uh, when people say what what will be different in the rematch, Kirby was asked that point blank. Kirby, if you face him again, what do you need to do better? His first response was, don't let wide receivers run free. Don't give up 60, right. 70, 55-yard touchdowns. Yeah. You want to make it to a little – you want the offense to be more successful. 
you know, uh, helps to get a few more possessions, convert those third downs so you have more snaps and you get more uh, passes to uh, Darnell Washington. But uh, and people say, well, defense is out there all the time because offense had a couple three and outs. Absolutely. But the defense also well, had to be out there off the field in three plays. Defense doesn't have to be out there for three plays. But yeah. here's the point. Turnovers hurt you, no question. But when they happen on kill your them. end of the field, they really kill you, like touchdown. When it happened on their end of the field, it's, it's just significant from the standpoint of points you lose but not points you give up. Most teams aren't going 80, 85 yards. So the one turnover hurt us because we needed to score so badly. You know, we needed the points there, but it didn't contribute to uh, their winning the game. I mean, it just helped us uh, – helped our – hurt our, hurt our chances of – uh, we'll do two more questions from UGA alum 95, who always tweets us uh, about two hours before the show. Always appreciate you doing that, UGA alum 95. Uh, question for Coach D: Did the quote rat poison actually get UGA this past Saturday, or did Georgia just get outcoached and outschemed by Bill O'Brien versus Dan Lanning? Yeah, I think first of all, uh, I, I, I felt like our team was ready to play. Had a good week of practice. Uh, everybody I talked about. Felt good about it from, you know, from the standpoint of the preparation. And uh, it was obviously started out good, 10 to nothing first quarter. But, uh, sure, we got they, – they did – you can always look after the fact and say, well, they out-schemed. Yeah, they, hey, our scheme didn't work. Theirs did. Their protection scheme worked. Their routes against our match coverage worked. So you could have, same thing could have happened where it didn't work for Bill O'Brien. And two weeks ago after the Auburn game, everybody over there was ready to ride him out of Tuscaloosa on a rickshaw. I mean, they got, you know, they were on his ass unmercifully, him and Marone. Now, you know, they're the best two coaches in the universe. So, uh, <laughs> and I think they are really good coaches, but, uh, but here's the point about our coaching staff and Nick Saban's coaching staff and any coaching staff. The defensive coordinator calls the game based on the game plan that the head coach, the assistant coaches, the analyst, everybody puts all the data in, and you've got these calls. So uh, that's the way they do it. I mean, it's not it's not you got out-schemed or anything like that. I mean, they out-executed us. I mean, but – I said this to Roddy over here Saturday when he wrote up where I came in my house. I said, the biggest thing for us, we've got to do is avoid the mental errors because we're pressing. Well, we had four major league busts on pass coverage. Four, three of them were just unreal. And they all uh, ended up in touchdowns. The one over the middle, the long one to, uh, uh, Williamson and then the uh, pass before the half when Mechie was over there beside Kirby asking him what he was going to have for halftime to drink. I mean, they were over talking. I mean, there was and but the pass to uh, Mechie for a touchdown when uh, he jumped around in the pocket and pointed him out, we had that covered pretty good. That was just a major league throw. That was awesome. Poole was the only guy good, but he had too long to throw it. 
and Stetson too. He said, "Hey, I made uh, bad. I made some bad decisions." So you talk about those mental errors. You know, they were they were everywhere yeah. on that game. Mental, here's, mental, here's here's what I'm saying. I don't, think that. You have, I don't think you have the same. I don't think you do it twice. Is my point. I, I yeah, said yeah. before the game was over. I said this game will be played again. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that. And I don't think they play the same way twice. I don't. Everyone's like oh, the, the same thing. Yeah, is we don't have to be more than that. And hey, with them, that's a good trade-off for them not playing number eight. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be completely different. Let's end with this question because I know with the tone of all of this, it, it's trying to process the SEC championship. But Georgia is indeed in the college football playoff with two wins away from a national championship. So, and we'll have shows about this uh, before then, but let's just kind of set the table. Coach, how well does Georgia match up against Michigan? What are the keys to that game? Let Roddy answer that first. I got one thing I want to tell all the fans here. Just Roddy answer first. Uh, this is uh, when you look at Michigan, and we're going to do some stuff with our Michigan site up there. We're going to have them on a, uh, a show similar to this. We'll bring on those guys because, you know, when, I, when people start asking about Michigan, I'm like, I, they only – don't you just run the ball? And that they do. They run the ball really well. They do not pass it a ton. And I'm thinking that from a defensive standpoint, uh, you know, Georgia's got to be licking his chops going, look at all these huge rushing teams that came in, you know, came into our house or we went to their house and they would have average, you know, uh, 287 yards rushing a game and we'd hold them to 37 and stuff like that. It's, and granted, these aren't the teams that Georgia faced were not Michigan, but they've uh, shut down strong running games. Maybe this in this game you bring in Latavius Brini, say, look, you know, we need you tackling on the edge. Right. You're not worried about a uh, Mitchie running past. You're not worried about a Jamison. And here's like, it wasn't just those two. Remember, Van at South Carolina ran all over you. Demetrius Robertson was open wide open, was wide open a lot. He just dropped a lot of balls. Uh, the Tennessee wide receiver had 200 yards receiving against this secondary. The secondary is an issue. So if you're matching up against a run team, that's playing to your strengths. Now you still got to score on them, you know. Yeah, they had they had, some, they had some halfback passes. Uh, I talked to Kirk Herb Street a little bit about the matchup, and he, you know, he was talking about the the, the all in type concept that their players really rallied around each other. They brought in some new coaches, and they've really condensed their offensive package, and they're trying not to beat themselves and really got a good offensive line and the quarterback just executes and does what he's supposed to. And the defense pressures you and causes turnover. But any way you look at it for them to beat Ohio state, like they did after having the monkey on their back for so long, kind of like us against Alabama was very impressive. So they'll have our attention and uh, you know, Cincinnati will have, uh, the Nick Taters, when he looks at those two corners at Cincinnati's got, uh, they're going, they're going, they're good. I mean, their quarterback's good. We saw it last year. So that's not a walk in the park for them either. So you got the four really, uh, I'm just going to tell you one quick thing. Do you realize that Oklahoma State against Baylor last week had the ball for 17 plays inside the 10 yard line? And got one touchdown, and they're in the playoffs, which I love that they're not. <laughs> I, I know it. you would. And then they put these two guys in on the goal line that had hadn't played all year, defensive linemen playing at like on a double look behind the tackle, 
and neither one of them blocked anybody on first, second, or fourth down. And they called a pass to one of them on third down, and he went the wrong way, and they threw it, and they didn't get the touchdown. They had it first goal on the one for the playoffs and didn't get it. But anyhow, I think we got a good situation. But I just want to tell everybody out there that listens to our show how I feel about them here, okay? I won't. I won't. We're going to get flagged for copyright. Yeah, we're going to get all sorts of copyright <laughs> violations. Listen to this. Give me 15 more seconds. Until I ride a coach in the car. All the way in Miami, right? For Christmas. Here we go. All right. That's what I want. I want all I want for Christmas is everybody get behind the dogs. It's our team. We can't do anything about the Alabama game. Fido, forget it and drive on. There you go. And we're going to forget it for this week. We're going to move on to next week. Be sure to tune in uh, next Tuesday at noon, and we will be talking a lot more about the uh, Georgia-Michigan game. You're still in it. You can beat Michigan, and then you get right back into the you, – you beat Michigan, you're playing for a national title. Just let that factor in now. I know a lot of people think, well, it's a lost cause. I firmly do not believe that because I don't think that you can uh, – this team's too loaded to just say they, they don't have a chance. So, anyway, uh, that's it for Dane Young and Jim Donnan. I appreciate the, all of our sponsors, Dead Soxie Academic, your brewing company, Athens Ford, and your pie. And I'm sitting here at Classic City Eats. Be sure to swing by here, hit the golf simulator, hit the game room, and get all their grand, fantastic food, plus the bourbon wall. You need to come in and check out the bourbon wall. It's pretty badass. So, uh, we will see you next Tuesday at noon. Take care.